Welcome. Welcome. To the Co-Independent Podcast. Episode 2. You're here with Scarlett. And Raymond. And today we are talking about coronavirus. Yeah. Of course, you know, everyone's favorite hot topic. (laughs) COVID-19. It all hit us um, like a storm. A storm. Hits an island. Oh, yeah. The trees were flying. The votes were mailed in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it also affected our relationship quite a bit early on. Right. There's so many things to talk about in terms of COVID, but the thing that's most important to me is how it affected us in terms of relationship, because obviously it affected everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it affected us interestingly, and I guess something that I've heard pretty much across the board is that it's not for anyone a 100% bad thing, you know, and it really emphasizes that there's always silver linings, and there's always certain benefits to these things that on the surface appear really negative. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, several things um, for us early on, um, it seemed kind of daunting Mm. um we were in a position where we were socially distancing because covid was happening and your family (laughs) was trying to be safe and your family's trying to be safe and i'm trying to see you but i'm not trying to um, make a bad impression on your family and then i came over and we had the socially distanced um backyard dinner when i first met your family yeah yeah that was wicked fun i had a lot of fun but I also, you know, I had this um, idea in my head that I feel like I really didn't put there. Just like I could have, I, I, I didn't have to come during COVID. I could have tried to be safe and like stick by myself. And, you know, we were safe because we were socially distancing for a while. But I had no question in my mind of like, yeah, I could see her in socially distance. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I never felt threatened or Mm. like, oh, I can't see you because there's these rules in place. I just, you know, follow the rules and then. Right. And that was another thing that really stuck out to me was that, you know, and and just to give a little bit more background, in my mind, we have a pandemic relationship. Mm -hmm. Our relationship actually started because of COVID. And we'll get more into that. But specifically, the point that I want to touch on is that we had these rules of, oh, you can't be near each other, because you have to socially distance, because we're being really cautious. And you know, I was really considerate of my family. If it was just me, and I lived by myself, I wouldn't have minded as much. But you know, Mm -hmm. I live with other people. And I was like, I can't kill my mom just to see this person, you know, that (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't want to put that on me and Mm -hmm. I don't want to put them in a risky position. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like we did a really good job at respecting these rules, even though we didn't really want them. You know, we didn't want to be socially distanced. We didn't want to have all these like restraints on seeing each other and hanging out. And yet we not only respected them, we not only said, okay, we accept this fully, we were always really honest about it too. And so we never snuck around. We never pretended 
something that wasn't there, you know? And I felt like having that honesty with each other and then also with our families and being really honest about every single part made a huge difference mm-hmm. in just like the quality of the relationship because it, it seemed very, I guess, authentic and ethical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ethical is a good word. I'm glad we have an ethical relationship. <laughs> How um, romantic. <laughs> um, I I definitely, you know, being honest with your family was uh, given, I had to start off on the right foot and like make the impression that I was willing to do this socially distancing meeting with you because I obviously didn't want to put your safety at risk just to see you. Um, so I did that. We did that. And then there was the the beginning of the relationship. Like we said before, was like three hour conversations almost every night. And then we started meeting in person. And I remember like being like so like amazed and grateful <laughs> to be like talking to new people because like mm. COVID had been going on and I was like, lonely and like I was at home and I was like missing my coworkers and stuff Mm. so you know part of it too was like I was so relieved to like have new people in my life and kind of like learn what you guys were doing Mm -hmm. and um and you guys um we had pina culadas the first time yeah yeah your mom walked right up and handed it to me and Dan was like what are you doing um I was like uh, like kept my mouth shut and like had my hand over my mouth just because she was like right in front of me handing me the drink. And like, I was like, Oh my God, please don't be afraid that like you're in front of me. And like, right. She didn't even think of it, honestly. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think of it, you know, as like a weird thing. We did a really good job Mm -hmm. maintaining social distance. Me and you, there was, there was a couple times where we thought we were going to get past it. Like we were going to, be able to be closer than six feet apart mm-hmm. and like it, it didn't happen I remember mm-hmm. one time not only did you test negative for COVID but you also tested positive for the antibody test and in my mind I was like this is a clear green light like he did not only does he not have the virus but he also I has the, antibody. the antibodies right and then I talked to my family and for whatever reason like it was just a no. And it wasn't only like my family. It was just that like Dan, my stepdad's kids were going to be staying with us. And then it was this new layer of, well, if there is a risk, I don't want to be putting them at risk too. And so I was like, okay, even though in my mind, I'm a hundred percent safe and I trust him completely based on these tests. Like, I don't want to put them at risk. And if you guys feel like it's a risk, then I know that we can handle it. Mm. I just remember you showing up that day and me like being mere tears because we were just like so excited. We're like, yes, we're going to have it. And then I remember turning the corner and seeing you in my backyard (laughs) Mm. because of course you just would walk into my backyard (laughs) (laughs) and being like, we can't have it. Mm -hmm. And we still made it through that. We did, you know, in one way, I had a test, which was the COVID test and the antibody test. And then all of a sudden, we had like another test of remaining <laughs> that distance. And um, I think we passed that test too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think you you didn't want me uh, to be like upset, I think. You know, you didn't like 
pressure me to feel any certain kind of way. Uh, you were like questioning your parents with me, but at no point did I feel like like we were gonna like push their boundaries or like I totally, even though we were feeling a certain way about the situation, the situation was not oh, well, how are we going to get around this? Mm. It was... Um, it was, we we can deal with this. Mm-hmm. We've been like, dealing with it, and we can keep doing now. it. This is the now. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, that's exactly the way that I feel about the whole thing, is that we overcame that. And mm. because we did overcome that, in so many ways, it, it benefited us. Mm. And also, what just came to mind was another story, another COVID story, specifically about trust. And how, one of the reasons how, like... Uh, this story provides really clear evidence to me of ways in which we're different and the things that I like about that. Because I remember one specific time, and this is when we were socially distancing, and you would come over and, you know, mom and Dan trusted us, but at the same time, they were kind of like, you know, we're going to be checking in to make sure you're socially distancing because they're like, oh, they're young, they're talking, they're in this like new thing. You know, there's temptation there, which is fair. It's a fair argument. And so I remember you were coming over and I had told you, I said, we have to stay six feet apart. You can come over, but you have to stay six feet away from me. And do not try to convince me to come closer because I will cave in. And I said that to you. And I remember specifically telling that story to Dan saying, he won't, he won't break social distancing because I told him I would cave. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Dan was like, why would you tell him that? Now, of course, he's going to try mm-hmm. because he knows you're going to break. And I was like, no, that's exactly why I told him mm-hmm. is specifically so he won't do that. Yeah. And it was that was just like a really significant moment to me because I feel like, yes, there are lots of people where you would say, I'm going to cave. And they're like, awesome. Now I know exactly how to manipulate you Mm. in this. Like now I know exactly how to break you, but you were like, okay, so this is important Mm -hmm. because I don't want to put you in that situation. I definitely, you know, didn't do that. Um, (laughs) it, It even came to the point where we were finally going to like hug and, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. I was like, do I do it? Do, it's been so long. Is there a way I'm going to mess this up? And then oh my God. I, I'll get into that in a second before I, I want to talk yep. more about what you just did. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. You told me you'll cave. And I was like, oh, she really doesn't want me to. She really doesn't want to, like, ruin this. Yeah. And and I And I heard that this was, like, kind of as important to you to, like, pass and, like, not you know yeah I really felt like that honesty was important Mm -hmm. because if that boundary wasn't that was me setting that boundary Mm -hmm. because honestly I could have just said don't come six feet away from me but you know we still could have like chit-chatted about it when you were here we could have been like oh what if I come five feet you know but by me saying like don't come six closer than six feet to me and don't try to convince me because I will cave. And I'm telling you that this is something that I do not want. Mm -hmm. So even though some people might look at that and be counterintuitive and be like, oh, now he knows how to break you. In my mind, it made perfect sense. I was like, I need to be really clear about where that boundary is. And Mm -hmm. you were so respectful 
and responsive to that boundary where you never pushed it. Not mm. once did you ever try to convince me to come closer than six feet. In fact, that night when you did come over, you brought a measuring tape. <laughs> yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, I stuck it out six feet and was like, all right, this is the, this is the distance. And we stood exactly six feet apart <laughs> because you brought the measuring tape. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's why you're my boyfriend. <laughs> yep. That, that moment. That measuring tape. Oh man. And, um, you know, I, I think boundaries are an important thing. Um, to understand for yourself to our friend Jovan. Wonderful, wonderful. Love Jovan. Love Jovan. <laughs> uh, great yoga instructor, wonderful person. Uh, Jovan, we were on a hike with him and he said, with empathy, without boundaries is self-destruction. And I thought that was really good. And I thought, um, yeah, you know, and I feel like that plays into being able to take care of the self and like mm -hmm. pr protect your inner self. Um, you know, while caring for other people, you should not put your who you are at risk at every moment. So, yeah, especially yeah. when you're an empath, because it's so easy to just pick up other people's things where you're kind of you're becoming them and yourself can get lost in that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even though we've almost turned into each other not 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 definitely but like in small ways i'll do yeah. i'll do i'll make faces i think you make and then <laughs> oh yeah yeah there's there's um the like finger point that like people who know scarlet might know what i'm talking about like yes and like there's like this kind of like aha and her finger goes up i do that sometimes now even i don't know i do that <laughs> <laughs> um i'd like to go back I think it's great that um, we we established that boundary. Um, there was also finally the night where we crossed the boundary. Yeah. And we watched Hamilton. Mm-hmm. We did outdoor movie night with the family. Kind of like a drive-in theater, but in chairs in the backyard. <laughs> we were really getting around COVID there in the summer. We did some cool things. Mm -hmm. Socially distanced campfires and outdoor movie nights. Mm. I'm going to do what the news does really quick. I'm going to say, um, before that story, that story is up next. Um, <laughs> We're just putting out a list here of <laughs> to be continued stories. Yeah. I like that story. And I think it's good to have a little bit of to be continued because there is a little more backstory. Mm. Um, Which back do you, do we want to start with? <laughs> <laughs> so the backstory I thought of was the notebook. And oh. it was the first night I met your family. And um, you told me to meet you around like six or seven when we were initially making the plan. So there was like this initial plan of like me coming over and it was going to be around nighttime. And then it turned out like, oh, well, I'm going to meet your family and have dinner and they're going to cook on the grill. And I was like, OK, maybe I come a little sooner. And you were like, yeah. So I came and we did the whole dinner thing. And then you set up. The movie night and you were like you were supposed to come over later and this was supposed to already be set up and you were going to come to the background backyard and then see that um, i had this whole plan like it was going to look so beautiful i had these lights that i made a long time ago where i have like these big 
light bulbs and I put them inside mason jars. And so you're going to come into the backyard. And it was gonna be... so <laughs> nice. Even though it wasn't a surprise, really. It wasn't a surprise, but I still, oh my God. <laughs> I had never even seen the notebook. So that was like the first time I saw the notebook. Okay. I still heard everything for years. Keep telling the story. Right. So, <laughs> so there we were. Um, you pulled out the blankets and the mason jars with the lights and put them in between us. Mm -hmm. um, because we were still socially because distanced. Because we were still socially distanced. Yep. And that's what was so beautiful was there was um, the social distance aspect. But we it was like the first time we like laid together and like watched a movie. And like it was like romantic. And yeah. I like looked into your eyes. And after the movie was over and we were talking and there was so much laughing, we practiced looking into each other's eyes. <laughs> and it was so goofy that like we kind of kept looking away. Yeah, so, I couldn't do it. I wasn't used to looking at you because all we'd ever done was talk on the phone. Right. <laughs> so so because we hadn't talked in person a lot, I wanted to like practice looking into your eyes and you couldn't do it. So I closed my eyes so that you could look into my face and like get comfortable with that. And like that was like the first time I like had this whole conversation. I can't remember exactly what about, but my eyes were closed and you were looking into me for... A while. Yep. Yep. And there we were at night, at night. outside on outside. the grass, <laughs> on our own separate blankets, six feet apart. Six feet apart. With an outdoor movie screen, watching our first romantic movie. And you know what else I remember about that night? What do you remember about that night? There was fire fireflies. Fireflies. Yes. <laughs> there were fireflies. It was like the first time I'd ever seen fireflies too. This was like the second time this summer that I'd seen fireflies, but it had been the first time in a really, really long time. Like I'd never seen fireflies in my backyard. And it was just like this moment where I was like, oh my God, my life is magical. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. Mm. That story, ugh, it's so romantic. And the most romantic part about it was we still kept that boundary mm -hmm. of social distance. That mm. didn't get in the way Mm. of that moment and mm -hmm. in fact the fact that we were able to do it even while having that contingency mm. makes it even more special to me yeah that was a really romantic moment i'm glad you liked it even though it wasn't like a surprise candlelight setup but then you also appreciated all the effort that i put into setting it up yeah nobody ever like set up a movie <laughs> night for me and with like lights and I was so excited about the fireflies too. Oh, it was fireflies. I loved that. Fireflies came out while this girl put this beautiful movie and like her family made me dinner. I was, oh my God, I was, I was head over heels. It was a great day. Yeah. And we were, like you said, most romantic part, we were still socially distanced. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was, it was hard mm -hmm. because there we were, mm -hmm. but at the same time, at mm -hmm. the same time, I look at that and it also makes perfect sense to me because mm -hmm. if we hadn't been socially distancing or if we had broken social distancing, that scene would have been really different. You know, we would have been cuddling and the focus would have been on a more physical aspect as opposed to instead we took the opportunity to not only have a conversation, but literally practice looking into each other's eyes. Like that's what we did with our time as opposed to like cuddling, you know, mm. we, it would have been a totally different experience. And I just can't really even imagine what our relationship would be like if I no longer had that moment of practicing looking into your eyes, mm. you know? Yeah. I enjoyed 
practicing looking into your eyes. <laughs> so silly. It is. It's really silly. It's different. It's also, I think, important for me to remember that we practiced looking into each other's eyes. And it was like a very appropriate amount of like step up from where we had been coming from mm. before we were talking on the phone every single night. Right. And like to go from like talking to like cuddling. Yeah. Like talking over the phone to cuddling would have been like a huge step. But right. it, it was like practicing from talking over the phone to practicing being six feet away from you talking to you. Yeah. And then practicing talking to you six feet away in a romantic lighting with fireflies and looking into your <laughs> eyes. And like, that seems like, you know, not that much because we were just sitting there talking, but really that was such a perfect step up. Cause like, yeah. I felt like there was so much like beautiful little things for me to focus on yeah, and nothing else was getting in the way of that. And I feel like it also gives us an appreciation for those little moments. You know, we, we, now we have a new appreciation for that moment. Whereas if it had been something bigger, you know, we would have skipped over those little steps. And honestly, those are small steps, you know, mm. to go from talking to you six feet apart or like on mm. the phone and then six feet apart and then looking in your eyes and talking, you know, those are really small steps and it's really easy to skip over those and people do jump and, you know, I've jumped in the past before. And honestly, it's those jumps that make a huge difference because I've jumped before and then I wonder why the relationship isn't like the way it is. I mean, we can never recreate that moment. We can never have a first time practicing looking into each other's eyes ever again because we've already done it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm so used to looking into your eyes, but I'm so grateful that I at least got that the first time. Mm. If we had jumped to cuddling, I mean, yes, we could have still practiced looking into each other's eyes, but I, some, I, I just have a really strong appreciation for taking the time to really enjoy all of those small steps mm. because mm -hmm. now I appreciate every moment of our relationship. And I guess part of that is also because I expect our relationship to last a really long time. And so I don't mind appreciating where I'm currently at mm. and like waiting for the stuff that's going to come later. Do you think there's a way to go back to those small steps for people who may have like skipped over those small steps and maybe want to um, find appreciation for those things? I feel like you can, but I feel like something else that's really important is the boundary aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So if you skipped over those small steps and still maintained boundaries, then yes, you can go back because there's always room for growth and improvement. But if you skipped over those small steps and broke a boundary, then it's really, really hard to go back. And I know this from one of my past relationships, I was getting out of like a rough point a low point and I had been recovering from a low point from a really long time and I had a lot of like sexual based issues basically from previous relationships. So this was a relationship after I had already been working on this and I had already made the mental decision for myself that the next time I had sex with someone I wanted to be in love with them. Like that was something that I that was important to me. 
because it was different from what I had been previously doing. And that was the route that I was deciding to take. And so I made this decision and then I started seeing this person and this was like our first date. We hung out at his house and I said, I don't want to have sex with you today. And I said that. And then somewhere along the night, he had convinced me to have sex with him anyway. And so First of all, the fact that I told him that and then it still happened anyway, you know, that's like one aspect. But then second of all, the fact that I was clear with myself about what I wanted and then broke that, I violated my own rule for myself, that was actually worse. The fact that I didn't stick with the rules I had set with myself, the boundaries I had set for myself, because I broke that over this person in my mind, I could never have a solid relationship with this person because I had already compromised myself for this person. And I didn't realize that until after I was out of the relationship. Yeah. So it's tough to see, you know, especially when you're in it. I think, um, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're out of that relationship for obvious selfish reasons. Um, there's definitely some selfish reasons why I'm glad you're out of that relationship, but I feel like our ability to not take down those boundaries is a really good sign of not being um, in love for love's sake, because it is very much for like future and like communication and appreciating the small moments, which I feel like, you know, those are the things like everybody's trying to do. Mm. Everyone always says, oh, it's the little things that make you happy. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that could, those things could be really hard to appreciate on your own. So, you know, appreciating that with someone makes a huge difference for me Um, to go back to kind of what you said too. um, We kept those boundaries and it's like in that relationship too, it's like those boundaries come down and then all of a sudden when they're gone, you're not uh, left. You might be like left kind of like looking for yourself and like trying to like listen for new things. But um, I, th- I think what happens with people who are especially like addicted to like falling in love with people over and over again, who have like a lot of partners, um, Eric Fromm kind of talks about this in the art of loving, all these boundaries come down and there's this excitement with that. It, it's like boundaries come down, your defenses are down and mm-hmm. you haven't gotten hurt yet, but you, you know, when you don't see how vulnerable, um, you are, um, you know, people change you, people will take advantage of that. And if somebody's taking advantage of you, and um, they want you to be a way that you're not used to being, um, and your boundaries are down, it's going to hurt, you know, taking your boundaries or your barriers, or your defense mechanisms down, um, should feel, you know, a little scary. I think something very true about love is that it can be scary. but it's not the goal. Like if, if what I want from you means you have to take your boundaries down, Mm. you know, then, then like, that's not fair of me to ask of you. Something that I think is a really important distinction on that is that yes, when you're in a relationship with person, of course you want to over time take down each other's boundaries because that's what connection is. Mm-hmm. That's how you become close and intimate with someone. So that that is the deepening of a relationship. But mm-hmm. the important key factor there is that those boundaries need to be taken down by choice 
and decision of the person who set the boundary. So Mm. if you violate my boundary and I just like am okay with that, or I let you violate my boundary, even though that's not really what I wanted, then I'm lying to myself and I'm causing myself more damage because it's very different where, for example, I sleep with someone even though I didn't want to sleep with this person, but I just kind of said, oh, I guess it's okay. You know, that's that creates a painful dynamic for myself where how can I trust myself if I set up these rules and these boundaries to keep myself safe and then I don't follow through with them? Whereas on the other hand, if I consciously decide, okay, I didn't want to sleep with anyone until I love them, but you know, I've been trying it out with this person and I have all this evidence that they're a person that I want to be with long term or they fit the, the bill essentially and I actively decide, okay, I'm willing to adjust this boundary because of this situation then that's like a different conversation. Now I've made the decision as opposed to like gone behind my own back and violated my own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's important. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see um, the red flags when you're wearing red tinting glasses. (laughs) Right, Mm -hmm. right. If you are also the red flag because you're lying to yourself, Mm -hmm. that, that was always a really huge thing in my life was learning to trust myself. And I feel like, you hear people say that, like, love yourself, love yourself. And you're like, what What does that mean? I couldn't even trust myself because I had just made so many bad decisions and I couldn't follow through with the things I said I was going to do. From simple things to like, oh, I'm going to put this thing away tonight and then not doing it. To bigger things like the next time I sleep with someone, I want to be in love and then violating that without making a conscious like choice and decision about that. Mm. That's grave. <laughs> you little philosopher. Not, I know. Not little. Let me not. Thank you. <laughs> Great big philosopher. <clears throat> I just got over a cold, so my voice is a tiny bit hoarse. But I want to go back to us. I want to go back to us, too. Uh, I always want to go back to us. <laughs> um, so I also, I'm looking at that situation. Um Can I relate to that with something I went through Mm -hmm. first? Yeah. So I was in this relationship for about a month and a half. She was so talented and nice and everything, but the boundaries came down too quick. Mm. Um, I definitely say that was, at least at the very start, my fault. I was just telling her personal things by like the second date about like my family and myself. And, you know, I wanted that to be a part of, uh, who I was, I was going to be open and honest about everything. Mm. Um, but I was kind of also making my boundaries seem not important um, to start. And also, when the relationship was over, I was constantly asking myself this question, which was like, if we were both trying to make it work, why didn't it work? Mm. And I was looking at the things like that we weren't appreciating, and she was telling me um, how much I hadn't been listening. And I was going back, and I was looking at the things that I didn't hear. Um, and it was really, it was, it was not an isolated issue. It was not an issue that was, um, between me and that person alone. Mm. I had the same issue with other people Mm -hmm. and that made it seem very true to me was, oh, here's this thing I'm hearing from this person. Um, it must not be the only time I've done it because other people have given me like similar advice or whatever. 
So I, I had this kind of talk with myself that like I needed to be um, very aware. I was trying to be very aware of something about myself. I didn't know what it was. I was trying to be aware of every single little thing I did. <laughs> I wrote in a journal every single day, every single thing I did. I wrote like 20 pages in like a week just on like every conversation I had been experiencing and all the things I was noticing more because I was feeling more lonely. And why were, why was I noticing this thing when I was this lonely? And like um, I had gone through this and did that make me think of that? I was going crazy over like finding, refinding my boundaries. Um, and then um, I had this great week with my dad my dad had these great conversations with me where like I learned to kind of like reassess what my intentions were. And when I was talking to you, we talked a lot about intentions and I, I kind of fell in love with the word. I don't know if like you kind of notice I've, I fell in love with the word, but I fell in love with the word intentions when you started using it. And then I started meditating and meditating and thinking about my intentions helped me um, find a lot of peace with uh, things because there was like this very active, what am I doing? What can I, what else can I do mm. that will fix what I'm feeling? Mm. Um, but it was very much a passive, um, awareness that I needed to kind of ingrain into my daily life Yeah, as opposed to like doing something new and different. It was, it was, it was almost like mediating myself and like, mm. yeah, well, First of all, I appreciate so much that you got this feedback from this person and your immediate response was, how can I fix this? It wasn't like, oh, that person's full of crap. Like they, they don't know what they're talking about. How dare they say this to me? I'm perfect the way I am, <laughs> right? There was a day, but. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the automatic response mm -hmm. all the time. Everyone mm -hmm. does that. But, mm -hmm. you know, you took that to the next level and you said, okay, well, what can I do to fix this? Mm. And that's important, not only for your relationships with other people and for you moving forward to have a good relationship by fixing these things, but also for yourself, just to improve your own life and fix where you were and work your way towards where you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And also, I love that you dove so hard into it and were trying to develop that awareness in your life. And something that you said passive awareness that actually made me think of bill harris so bill harris is one of my favorite teachers he's incredible mm -hmm. <laughs> and something that he said in one of his courses that i listened to was about developing something on a subconscious level and he really basically just talks about the process that it takes to ingrain something in your life and the example that he uses which I think is a great example, is that when you learn to drive a car, at first you're thinking about all the things you have to do. You know what you have to do, but you're thinking about them. Actually, there's a step before this where you don't know what you have to do. First, you have to mm -hmm. learn all the steps of how to drive a car. And so then once you know those steps, you still have to be very active about it. You have to say, okay, I'm changing lanes. I need to put my blinker on. I need to look over my shoulder. I need to check my mirror. Okay, now I turn the wheel. And you think about all those things in your conscious mind. It is conscious competence. That's the word he uses. Now your competence in it consciously. But eventually over time, the more you practice driving, eventually it becomes unconscious competence. 
you're competent in it, but in your unconscious mind. So now that we've been driving cars for so long, you can drive a car, you can change lanes and talk on the phone at the same time. And it's no big deal because your subconscious mind is talking about it and Mm. taking care of it for you. So it sounds like even though you didn't really know what you were looking for, you were searching for that awareness and Mm -hmm. moving towards taking these new changes in your life and developing them until they became unconscious competence. Mm. And so you were in that very active conscious stage of developing these. But then the more you do it, eventually it gets integrated into your unconscious mind, allowing Mm. it to just flow naturally throughout your life. Mm. I think part of using the terminology I just learned from you, Joe (laughs) Harris, um, I like the idea that it was a subconscious sort of competence because I noticed, I think, to put a spin on it, my subconscious incompetence Mm -hmm. and that like it wasn't a conscience. It wasn't things that I was conscious of that were that I was failing at. The things that I was conscious of were not the problem to start. It was things that I wasn't um, aware of on a passive level because Things that are like, you know, passive, but like seem like um, very active. I remember specifically she got upset that uh, I didn't ask about her car when her car was in the shop. And it should have pertained to me that something was wrong with her car because she was taking long rides to pick me up. Um, And I and I mentioned that story to other people and I hear things that. You know, my dad was like, oh, she's high maintenance. <laughs> but uh, aside from judging her character, she she gave me a challenge. She gave me the idea to be aware of what she's doing that that benefits me and, you know, to be grateful for that. It, and, and I'll even boil down the whole situation even simpler is what she was consciously working towards. Aware of. Aware of. But it. It was it was hearing that it was hearing her explain that that was mm. an issue mm. that made me like start to consciously be aware of it. Right. But I never got past that conscious part. I never like I I like in the moment did something about that, but then didn't apply it to kind of like other situations. Oh. And then sure enough, at the end of the next week, we had the same conversation over again. It was like, why didn't you ask about my grandmother? Mm, interesting. So I'm curious, what has changed from this relationship to now? You know, what what has integrated or deintegrated itself in terms of your conscious competence and what you have become aware of? And what has like become unconscious competence since that relationship and into where you are now? So this is sort of like a huge, broad philosophical concept I think about sometimes. I think as like a man, it's very normal for me to be in a stressful situation and think like, I have to fix things. I have to be the one that speaks up and says something. And um, and anyway, I actually, I used to think like that, like two years ago, I felt like I had a problem with that issue. Mm. Any sort of stressful situation I was in, whether it was work or with friends, I was the one that tried to explain everything if someone came into the room. Mm. And and I feel like that was kind of like a normal masculine trait of trying to take care of people, but that it didn't really help me. And I got rid of that trait so much 
that when something was wrong, I really didn't want to speak up at all because I just didn't want to get into the middle of it. Mm. And I remember there was a lot of times my friend Cam was like telling me about an issue and I was thinking, man, I would not have even brought up the thing, the problem, the whatever. Um, and I remember thinking like, uh, actually, I kind of let too many mistakes and feelings kind of like flow under the bridge. Mm. And um, that's why, especially between us, I felt so much comfortable comfortability moving forward and waking up with you when I feel like if something's bothering me, I can talk about it. Yeah. Because I very much do talk about when like something is stressing me out with you. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And something else that I feel like is really important, and you, you've touched on this a little, but I, I like to talk about this a lot, actually, is the women's belief that all men should be mind readers. I swear to God, women <laughs> grow up with this ingrained like belief in their souls that like all men should be mind readers. You know, I should want something and the man should know that I want something because if I tell him that I want something, then it won't be as special anymore because he didn't do it. He's only doing it because I asked him to do it. And therefore, it doesn't matter. It's not the same. You know, I, I've talked to people. Everyone has this. I don't know why. <laughs> we just have this idea that if it comes from you, it's more special. Which, yes, there is a level of that. But at the same time, it's an impossible expectation. Because mm -hmm. if I never tell you what I want and you don't do it, it's unfair for me to be mad at you. But at the same time, it happens constantly where it's like, I expected this from you, but I didn't tell you. And then you didn't know it because you didn't read my mind. How dare you? Mm. You're horrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that's a really important component of my life. And it's taken me a long time to work through that issue. And like you just said, now I can talk to you. And it's, it's kind of silly when you think about it, because now it's like, if I want something, I can just express that to you. And then if you give it to me, it's like, oh, thank you so much. Now I've gotten what I needed. Now I've gotten what I was hoping for. And it's so much better to have that thing that I need than not have it. Was something I was not consciously or subconsciously the risk of not having it at all for the slight chance that you might magically produce it yeah just come up and right. pull it out of my hat it's better to have it than probably not have it at all yeah. <laughs> even if i had to tell you i feel you so not i feel you did tell me this very early on in the relationship and I took the deepest breath I've ever taken just yeah. just so relieved that I was like oh my god she's gonna tell me what she wants <laughs> right, right. So, so I felt that you know oh my god she's gonna tell me what she wants and I felt relief and you even said oh it sounds like you needed to hear that and oh my god <laughs> well I feel like too you know girls all girls grow up believing this. Mm -hmm. And in turn, all men grow up 
feeling wicked confused about what the hell women want Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we don't tell you Mm -hmm. we expect you to be mind readers And, and and part of the way is you know even though i'm not a mind reader i know you know there's some hints or that there's some clue i might get um and speaking in terms of like uh, the past and like kind of like how I look at situations, I think this also definitely plays into that philosophy of mine that like men are the ones that are kind of like expected to like solve situations. Mm. If something's wrong, people like look at the man in the room and I, you know, I don't even look at that as if it's like an inherently bad thing. I think what's happening is guys are in these positions where They've gone through so much. Okay, figure it out. Like mm. guys are constantly told, like, okay, yeah, go figure it out. Whatever, just come up with something. You know, in the situation of relationships, in the situation of like jobs and their parents and school, and, and you know, we all go through it a little bit. Mm. But between relationships and like being able to figure it out, it's so much easier to figure things out when you're able to just talk about what's going on what the surroundings are, what the kind of expectations people see from the outside are, Mm. because you kind of can't figure everything out from within a situation. You know, some of the things like we've talked about today with boundaries is like, it made so much sense looking back and looking at like what you wanted and what um, you didn't have. And it's hard to weigh those things when you're in the situation. Yeah, it is. And, you know, if, you know, day to day, I'm asking myself, like, what do I want? And like, uh, what do I need? And like, it takes me time to come up with those answers. Like, I'm still figuring things out for myself. And like, I have to understand if you're figuring things out for yourself, too, then it's not fair for me to give you the responsibility of figuring me out, too. Mm. So yeah, right. And it just comes back to those unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. you know that we set on each other and that's mm-hmm. unfair and i feel like having this new level of communication of just being open and honest about our needs and our wants and our boundaries mm-hmm. that kind of removes that expectation and it leads to a lot more success in the relationship because even if something is unclear even if i don't know exactly what that boundary is the fact that i can tell you that and say, I'm not sure about this, but this is what I'm thinking. And then also get your opinion on it. You know, that makes a huge difference as well. Mm -hmm. Things like that matter a lot. Mm. But I did want to go back. I remember I wanted to go back to boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we talked about having these boundaries and what it means to maintain these boundaries for yourself. And we've kind of done this long loop around about communication, which is super, super important, but getting back to having your boundaries and maintaining them for yourself. You know, I gave you the example of what didn't work for me, but there's another great example that did work for me. And so again, we're coming back to this same situation of me deciding for myself that the next person I have sex with, I want to be in love with. And then we had our first date. Yeah, we did. And you told me that you didn't want to kiss and you didn't want to have sex. And we went to my bedroom. Well, do you want to tell the story? Of course. We don't have to do the whole first date story. Let's save some of that. Let's just skip to that part. Okay. So we were laying on the couch we were cuddling. 
Yeah. And this was the this was our first date. We had gone back to his house. We were laying on the couch, cuddling, listening to music. It was getting late. We had spent the whole day together. It was like 8 p.m. It was getting dark. And we were just laying there for a really long time. And I kept saying, oh, I should go home soon. We said, okay, in 15 minutes. And then it had been like a half hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you were like, do you want to go to my room? And I was kind of like unsure. And then you were like, I'll carry you. And I was like, well, it's really hard to say no to that. (laughs) And so you picked me up gracefully and (laughs) carried me to your bedroom and put me on the bed. And then we were on the bed and we were like nuzzling, you know, you were getting all up close to me. And then you, I said something. And then you leaned back and you looked at me. And you said, I'm thinking that I want to kiss you right now. And you leaned in and I said, I think I'm going to make you wait. (laughs) (laughs) And then what happened? And then I was like, okay. Yep. Yep. You said, okay. And I said, I think I should go now. And then I left. And it was okay. And everything was fine. Because, and I don't want to speak from your perspective, but it didn't seem like you were banking on that Mm -hmm. kiss that night. You know, you weren't Mm -hmm. like, oh, this girl won't kiss me. It's over. Mm -hmm. You know, you weren't relying on that one kiss. I kept hugging you. (laughs) I was in the middle of hugging you. I was like, I, you know, I'm really close to your face. There was so much smiling, too. That definitely played a role. And I was like, oh, it's too, you know, that whole day was perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's almost too short to say like, oh, we were just on the couch. And then, you know, there was like there card was games. There was, there was a whole day of good feelings. And then there was you on my bed late at night. Yep. It had, it had been almost 45 minutes after we said 15 minutes. Right. And then, and then no kiss and I felt fine. Yeah. And and also because I wasn't going to let that defeat me. I'm going to get defeated because she didn't kiss me when she gave me like the whole rest of this day. And I feel like I really would not have had that maturity um, if I didn't go through some other experiences where I realized that like, there's no point in being disappointed and like expecting things from people that they don't want because Mm. if if you kissed me and you didn't want to Mm. and i wouldn't have enjoyed after the fact if you like hadn't wanted it but that you like gave it to me anyway yeah you know and that's a really really good like realization that you have you know because it's it's super important of course you wanted that in that moment but the benefits of not going through with that was more than going through with it anyway, even Mm -hmm. though it wasn't the right thing for that situation. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it wasn't that I didn't want to kiss you. I really (laughs) did want to kiss you in that situation. But the problem was, is that we were already in your room and I was already on your bed. And I just knew from my own past experience that that one kiss wouldn't have been just one kiss. And I was like, I don't want this to be my first kiss because there's a danger that it's going to lead to more just because I've been in this situation before. And mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like that was the hardest, not the hardest thing I've ever done, but I look back at that moment 
And I see that moment as a major fork in the road. Mm. I look at that moment as a turning point in our relationship because I could have let you kiss me. And I feel like if I had, we would be in a really different place than where we are now because we didn't kiss on that night. And then we started socially distancing. And so we didn't have our first kiss until like three months later. Yeah. Right. Right. And I just, you know, it wasn't easy for me to say that, especially because I had to speak up and say no. Mm -hmm. That was an active thing where usually it was easier for me to take the passive approach of not saying anything and letting you kiss me anyway, even though I wasn't sure about it. So by not taking the passive difficult approach and instead by taking the more active, sorry, the passive easy approach and instead taking the more difficult active approach in that split decision, Mm -hmm. I feel like that made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And part of what worked for me in this relationship too, we took things safe in terms of COVID. We took things safe in terms of boundaries, not pushing each other's boundaries. We took each other seriously. Um, We listened to what the other needed. And we also established to tell each other what we wanted when we could, just to lesser the sort of frequency of trying to figure things out. And our needs and expectations. And needs and expectations, Mm -hmm. which are always hard to, you know, doesn't matter who you are, what the relationship is. People have wants and needs. And it's difficult to be aware of all of them all at once. Yeah. And you Especially know, when you haven't talked about what they are. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you haven't talked about what they are. So, you know, we talked about what they were. And I'm so glad that we ended up in this position because it feels like living proof of, um, you know, being honest and open and the kind of good results that come out of that. And, you know, I really do have on some level uh, to thank COVID for reminding me to take the small steps mm-hmm. and to look into your eyes and enjoy the fireflies and the movies and the blankets before I cuddle with you. Yeah. And honestly, I look back at that first day and even though we didn't have our first kiss, that day was perfect. Oh. There's not a single thing I would change about that day. Oh, it was such a good day. And and It gave us the benefit of having another great day when we had the first kiss. Now that it now that's its own separate memory. You know, I appreciate that we spaced out. That's the benefit of the small steps is that you're able to space out all of those precious precious moments when you cram them all in at once. There's Mm -hmm. a different level of appreciation. Mm. And so I love that we've taken so many small steps because now I have so many days so many moments to appreciate on their own Mm. just for what they are you know that first hug after socially distancing yeah now we can appreciate that in a different Mm -hmm. way than Mm -hmm. we could if we had done every single thing on that first day yeah i i feel you know just to add to the drama (laughs) it was it was so tempting I guess you know maybe tempting is not the right word but the word is um to emphasize we had that first day where we weren't socially distancing and then we started socially distancing the drama the drama 
it there was like there was this complexity in my mind of like oh now there's things getting in the way but mm. because we had that um attitude towards that first day as an example of like how good things could be yeah and it gave us one thing to hold on to yeah and with you i felt like i wasn't holding on for the sake of um being lonely or anything i was like so happy to see other people in relationships i remember going to the beach and seeing like married i presume couple with like their child and being like so happy for them and and like we literally just had that first day but i was also mm. <laughs> just thinking like about being happy for other people who are having yeah. that same experience and also also that day was perfect but it wasn't like everything else after that was horrible until we could touch again it was like every single moment even when we had these challenges was still incredible because we faced those challenges and it made our relationship stronger. So that journey itself made all of those small steps just as special and just as important to me. Mm, it was a journey. It is a journey. And I'm so excited <laughs> to share with them next time, maybe if they're lucky, <laughs> the, the whole story of our first date. We have so many stories to share. We do. I'm so excited to tell our stories. Me too. Thanks for tuning in. Episode two. See you next time. See you next time <laughs> <laughs> on, on the Co-Independent Co Podcast. Podcast.